G'day and welcome to Runners Radio, episode two. I am Rick Mirabella and with me is the media mogul, the Twitter sensation. I tell you what, people know who he is, Mick Sharkey. People do know who I am, Rick. Uh, you're one of those people, which is good. I'd be questioning your short-term and long-term memory if you didn't know who I was. So, yeah, I'm glad to be here once again to talk about uh, all things athletic performance, which is something I know very little about. Very little about it. It's quite weird that we've got you on. This is episode two. I'm very happy they let us back on air, Mick, by yes. the way. Can you imagine if There's no rules on uh, on iTunes, really. <laughs> you can get on and say whatever you want. <laughs> it's clearly. iTunes. iTunes is great. Imagine this was a commercial station and they're just saying, oh, they're going to let these two blokes back on air. But yes, thinking all... of getting gassed and having a podcast called... Uh, late night regrets and just sort of mumbling into the microphone. But that might be a conversation for another day. Would it be as popular as that Big Brother thing they used to have? Is a Big Brother... Hot Big Dogs. Bro- yeah, I remember Hot Dogs and Big Brother Uncut after dark. Yes, after Do you remember dark. That? That was, I remember that. I saw the odd uh, bit of nipple there. Yeah, the odd... Uh, circa Back 02. in the day, that was Cir- pretty good. Circa 0203. Now, listen, we do talk performance, but it's springtime and we... I guess with spring comes lots of new challenges for different people but coming out of hibernation hopefully that's not the case in here we've we've been working hard through winter in um in melbourne at the moment we're in the second week of spring and it is it is time for people to get stuck into their fitness but i always say if you work through winter then you should be consistent and you should feel good and really reap the rewards of spring but unfortunately that isn't always the case for a lot of people through different circumstances so how you been traveling in the spring the last couple of weeks mick shark uh I think the spring, the, the couple of nice warm days we had have, have sort of sparked me up a bit because although I, I try and get in here right throughout the winter like most of the regulars in here, I find it really, it's a struggle to get out of bed. Like, fair income. I think since about June 1 up until recently, I reckon I've been rolling in about five minutes late to every session. August 31. <laughs> it is so difficult to get out of bed. The Southern Hemisphere winter for those but listeners. I, I don't think I'm alone in that regard. I, I think, think people find it generally tougher to get to get motivated, number one, during winter, but also you tend to, you tend to eat more during winter, I think. You, we sort of, you know... Any Subconsciously, we're, we're sort of storing, storing <laughs> the fats over the cold months, so you feel a bit sluggish. Oh, look, there's no doubt about that. Look, any listeners of mine and readers of mine over the journey would have would know that continuity and, and just that word motivation, I don't love it. I love the ability to continue to just get the job done. And look, there's no... It's not going to be easy in the middle of winter, and that's that's the show for another day, training through the winter, because we're in the spring now in, in Melbourne. But I guess the biggest thing with those of you that are coming out of hibernation is just to continue to get to front up, number one. But number two, don't try to make up for six weeks or eight weeks of hiatus in one or two weeks. So just take it really slowly, ease into the, in the into the session. If you've started running again or you've got back on the bike or you've got back in the weights room, there's no need to hit PRs in the first month. Just really gradually build into the first three or four weeks because I believe me, and it's it's not rocket science, but the bigger foundation you build, the more sustainable and the better to launch from when you actually get fit, you get authentically fit, you get fit properly. You don't go and say, oh, I'm going to do an eight-week challenge or a six-week challenge or any yeah. rubbish. Oh, I can't stand that, but I'll talk about that another day. But springtime is when you get lots of people coming back into the fitness field. Uh, we're a bit more performance centre in here, so people have been here most of the time, as has Mick Sharkey. But I promise you, the weather's turning. 
Build it up slow, and by the middle of summer, you'll be absolutely flying, Shark. Some good advice you gave me during winter when I was sort of battling with a couple of sessions was to, to mix it up. And if you're doing it tough, getting up early in the morning, maybe miss one early morning session, but then try and go for a run outside or something like that later in the day or at night. And I did that with a great deal of success over the winter months. I've actually bloody loved going for a run outside, you know, the odd two or three times a week, just a little three or four K to stretch the legs before uh, dinner. But that's probably been some of the best advice I've ever had in terms of uh, trying to stay focused and consistent with, with training was just to break it up, break up the monotony of it a little bit and do something different. And yeah, I really found that works. So that might be something that people can try to, you know, if they're finding it difficult to get back into a routine after a uh, long cold winter, just to try and mix things up a little bit. Yeah, variety is, is key, but it's, look, it's key to stimulus as well. The key to adaptation is, is be able to create a different adaptation. So the variety for you in that sense was doing a 15, 20 minute jog outside and that, that worked really well for you. And it got you back consistent again, which yeah. was fantastic. And then you knew you, you had the fitness in the bank. So it was pretty, it was pretty simple for you to go for an easy jog well below the pace you might run in here. And it felt good and you felt strong and you, you just got a bit of different stimulation, which is good because yeah. you're mixing up the scenery as well. Now, now it's a good time of year, obviously with footy finals and spring racing and all this rest of it. It's a bit of a party month, September, October. Talk to me about running or training hungover. Because there's a fair chance that we're all going to be in that boat at some point in the next eight weeks. Definitely. And I'm certainly made a... uh, I was the king of... I reckon hungover training, a lot of my Sunday long runs back in the day, Shark. But um, I, Gee, that shocks me. Oh, yes. Uh, it's, <laughs> I certainly used to do it a lot better than I do it now. But look, in all seriousness, some of us, you can get away with it, but it's, it's not healthy. Like you can't be, you've got to be careful if you do. Is it dangerous to do? Because oh, you dehydrate. No doubt. Some of the two hour, you're going for a two hour uh, long hilly runs when you've might have had an hour sleep isn't this, the, the most uh, intelligent thing to do, Shark. But... Honestly, if you are going to try and you need to sweat it out, as we say, if I definitely think moving the next day is a great idea. Definitely getting up and moving. Mm-hmm. And you might go for a long walk with the dog and then just throw in some three or four-minute jog efforts. And then if you're feeling good, then you can extend that out. I certainly wouldn't – if you've got a 10-mile or a 16K, 20K run plan and you are very hung and you might have got in the door at 4 a.m., I certainly wouldn't be – trying that that doesn't sound fun especially if you're not used to it and look it's we don't want to advocate training hungover as a rule because it isn't great for the organs as a rule what about muscles can you do damage to your muscles oh certainly because you're dehydrated and you've got a far greater chance of straining and tearing anything Mm. apart from the fact you're under immense duress so if you don't strain it on the dance floor the night before you'll probably do it trying to uh trying to sweat it out if, any, if anyone's seen shark so this move. is just you're an advocate for lying on the couch the day after a no no i didn't if you heard me correctly shark i, I said, did hear you I said, i'm move. trying to ignore the stuff about moving uh, see he only wants me to say this is what he wants me to say you get up at about 11 a.m you get eight steamed dimmies and soy sauce with I've some coke three kids i'm not getting up at 11 you sit on the couch for four hours then you go back to bed because you feel like rubbish and you get up at <laughs> 6 p.m 
get KFC and go back to bed at 7.30. That's what he wants me to tell you. No, get out and move if you're hungover, <laughs> Shark. But again, it is party time. But in sport time, I'll tell you what is the greatest time of year. September, October in Victoria is the greatest time for sport. There is no better time for sport. We've got AFL uh, footy finals, which is a religion for you listeners overseas in Victoria. AFL, which we think is the greatest game on earth. Footy finals are heating up. There's six teams remaining. Yes. We've got the NFL in America, which I'm a big fan of. Just round one just on last week. Who do you follow in the NFL? I'm Dallas Cowboys. Who are you? Dallas Cowboys? Mm. Mid-90s. I'm a mid-90s child, don't forget. Wow. Uh, mid-90s, man. I didn't even know it existed in the mid-90s. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Cowboys. The Spring Carnival, which our good friend Mick is a, obviously a big part of all over the television and media screens of horse racing. Spring Carnival for eight weeks. He's absolutely heating up. What we love in runners here, the end of the Diamond League, of course, we talk Diamond League quite regularly on this show, but the European road racing season is really heating up as well. We'll get to that in a minute. But Where's Dengie at? I need to know. Where <laughs> I need a Dengie update. Dengie from episode one. Joseph Dengie, he's having a spell, mate. The 800 metre boys are done. In the paddock. He's having a spell for three or four months. But I'm tell me what grass. you made of the footy finals and where you think it's going to take us in the next couple of weeks. You know what I noticed during the footy finals? And it seemed to be a bit of a consistent at GWS and also Collingwood. And there are a couple of other names that were around the place. Rushing blokes back from injuries. Mm. Now, I think most of the clubs in question seem to get away with it. They did. And Collingwood was an example. I heard Taylor Adams talking about it during the week uh, before they played in Perth, particularly about Trelaw, about mm. Adam Trelaw. And, okay, he missed a few games, but Taylor Adams made the point that Adam Trelaw's preparation allows him that sort of risk. He's he's a play, he's one player that you would say you know what you've missed a little bit of footy here but we're going to back you to be ready first up. What sort of work would they be doing with those on ball types like a Trelaw mm. who've missed a lot of footy and you're going to walk straight into a finals scenario where it's physical pressure, you know it's it's a serious up up level, tempo yeah, yeah on on what he would have been playing before he got injured. Yeah, and that's a great question. There was seven or eight blokes over the weekend in the AFL that came back after a fair layoff. Now, the extra week off after the end of the under the home and away season does help a little bit, but someone like Trelaw and a few of those mids, there was a few others, the amount of game sense work, so the, the conditioning blokes are putting in a lot of work during the, the week to those guys. So Trelaw would have done, he would have had a lot of game simulation, a lot of gut running type work, and just he would have been absolutely just taken to the well that many times over the last five weeks on on the track on a midweek session. So they would never have played him at Optus Stadium in Western Australia if if he wasn't completely right. So Bucks Bucks puts a lot of trust in his S and C guys and 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 all the S and C guys usually have good relationships with the, the head coach. This this has been Bucks in this case, same as Goldsack. Like he's, he came back from a knee rake off, off seven months. Well, so he was amazing even, and months. played really well. He was one and of their best players. He in the was first fantastic. Time. And there was other, a few other ticks as well from guys coming back, which says they're getting it right. You never, as a, and I've been at um, in football performance roles, you're never going to tell the coach someone's right if he's not. So you want to make, because it's your head on the chopping block and the team. So if Trelaw goes out there and gets 10 touches and, and struggles to keep up, then it really, it's not good for anyone. So you want to make sure you've tested him to within an inch of his life, and they do. So lots of gut run simulation drills, lots of midfield running patterns. Yes, it's very hard 
to mimic the intensity, especially of round one of a final series, but you can get extremely close and you can really push them to say, okay, if he can't get through this session, then there's no way he's going to play. So, yeah, very much very much just simulating the midfield type patterns, brother. So a bloke like Goldsack, who's coming off a knee, mm-hmm. Rico, would most of his prep work have been around strengthening his legs and everything around the knees to make sure that if they can take the load or would he have been doing a lot of fitness work in general? Like where's the where's the line? Where do they draw the line? Goldsack coming back this quickly, um, it was, was phenomenal for one. His strength training would have been absolutely paramount. So strength is everything in, in ACL rehab. We could probably talk for an hour about that and we will one day. But yeah, Goldsack's definitely the ability, he would have been in the weights room for these first four or five months. His conditioning stuff would have come a long way the last eight weeks, but certainly his strength stuff over the last six months. And he would, I dare say, Goldsack would probably be one of the strongest at Collingwood post rehab because you just have to be that strong. Post ACL surgery, you've got to be pushing weight, single leg, double leg work. And I'm sure, look, there's lots of good guys out there that can talk about that, but ACL rehab is actually one of my passions, but that's, so it's not for one of these shorter sto- uh, shows, but I, Goldsack would have been in the weights room absolutely religiously just to make sure he got back because it's not easy to get back within six months. Well, that's good news for our friend, Mick Mazzarelli, one of the, <laughs> uh, the runners crew here who, who did his knee Back in April, April. think um, he's been in the weights room every, nearly every day. He has shark, not doing quite the weights I'm, I'm referring to. So I don't think he's done one leg exercise. Lots of beach muscles. So think in seven months. Think Tyson Goldsack and Tony Liberatore and all some of these beautiful six seven month recoveries from ACLs, and then think the antithesis of that. Michael Mazzarelli does beach muscles. <laughs> Some bicep curl, it makes me nauseous, but I'm taking 30 runners over the other side of the room, so I can't really tell him off. I just make 30 people look at him and, and mock him for about five minutes while he does his yeah, bicep curl. He's got nice arms, but he can't walk. That's he's got his, a three. That's his problem. <laughs> if he thinks he's returning to footy in 2019, oh. he's, got, he's got lots of other things coming. Now, to Spring Carnival, we won't talk too much because there's another podcast that Sharky went to number one on iTunes last week, The Great Game. You can get on that if you want, Mick Sharky. And listeners, now tell me about horse racing. Tell me about some of the performers of the spring and not just the runners. Tell me about two or three of your rising stars for the next three months. Uh, yes. Interesting. I've been spending a lot of time with Darren Weir, who's the, the number one trainer in the country at the moment, and learning about what he does. And I'm actually, you don't know this yet, but I'm going to take you out and show you uh, a couple of his properties. He runs three properties, and they're all very different. Ballarat is one of his stables. Basically, the horses work exclusively up a synthetic track hill in a straight line uphill. That's all they do. Uh, he's got a track at Warrnambool where they do a lot of sand gallops and beach wading. That's all they do. Very, very little track work. And the third venue, which is one I'm keen for you to have a look at, is at Malden, south of Bendigo. Now, what he's done there is build a sand track where the sand is about a metre deep. And all the horses do is constant circles, laps of this track in the deep sand. And his vet bill, he was telling me in the last 12 months since he's had that sand track, has been cut by a third. That's outrageous. Because much like you're saying with Tyson Goldsack and and Trelaw and building that strength and conditioning around around the legs, which is what's got to carry an athlete, 
the same goes with a racehorse. So he's building the legs strength, building the resilience in the ligaments and the tendons, and he's finding that the horses are going sore and injuring themselves a hell of a lot less than they were with just natural uh, turf gallops. So it's been a, a big part in uh, Kingswell Dream. It's a horse that I, I'm involved with through through my work at Spicer Thoroughbred. So he's Caulfield and Melbourne Cup favourite at the moment. So he's done a lot of that process. And then another client, we've bought a number of Japanese horses and giving them to Darren Weir. And now they're going through that process too. And you can see, he, he tells the owners when you send him a, a horse uh, from a different venue, it'll take me about six weeks for them to start remodeling and for their bodies to start changing. And Which is, it quite looks, yeah, neuromuscular profiles, everything changes. It's, yeah. pretty, it's pretty amazing. You, you don't expect much from them at their first up run. Second up run, there's an improvement. But third and fourth run in, they, they just come alive mm. and their whole system just turns inside out. Their coat changes, their eyes are a hell of a lot brighter and clearer. They've got a big appetite and they, their bodies just wake right up to the work. And he just rotates his horses through those three properties. So, mate, as far as my spring's been concerned, like we're still a fair way out from the major races like Caulfield Cups and whatnot. I've been spending a, a lot of time looking at I guess elite performance from an equine sense, but it's it's been bloody fascinating. The equine say I, I've loved horse racing my whole life as well since I was four or five, and I am a massive um, endurance and aerobic physiology nerd. That's definitely my passion. Um, is the physiology of endurance endurance training? So with the horses, I've always loved the the marriage in that as well. So I can, I can definitely resonate with that, and I can't wait to get out there because Darren Weir is one of the best trainers in the nation. So believe me, the work and the programming these trainers put in for these racehorses is just as much as us coaches and sports scientists for, for our runners and triathletes. Now, that's all going on. The Diamond League finish yes, off, Nick Shark. Diamond now, League, this I, is where it's at. Now, Shark, I will not bore you too and much. The Ethiopians but listen, win this week? They did. It's funny you say that. They went, they went. Odds on, odds on, there'll be an Ethiopian <laughs> or a bloody Kenyan now listen, winning something. We're not gonna, we're not gonna talk too much. But I just want to say one thing: the five thousand meters last week, I tell you what, did I get aroused? Now listen, the one to five was all Ethiopians, but a young fella, young fella by the name of Salomon Borega. Now listen to this Salomon time, just, 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 shush, just shush. Listen to this time. They say he's 18. I don't want to get into too many debates about ages in East Africa, but they say he's 18. 12. What do you mean they say he's 18? Oh, Do they have birth certificates? Let's, it's, a, it's a very tricky topic. That's another day. 12 minutes, 43 seconds, 01. Surely they know how old they are. Chuck, no, they do not. Just listen. Is it like a tree? Can we cut through? Has anyone ever done that? Is there, is there growth uh, rings in a human? All right, that's probably something. Enough. That's not 12 a... Minutes, 43 seconds for Salomon Borrego, the Ethiopian. For how far? It's an under-20 world record for 5,000 metres. Just don't pretend like you know what's going on. 5,000 metres? 5K. Listen, he's the fourth fastest man ever now, and it's the fastest time in 15 years since the great um, Kenisa Bikili. Now, Kenisa Bikili ran the world record. In 12 minutes for 5K? 12 minutes and 43 seconds, Chuck. Listen, Kenisa is an idol of Shit, mine. that's quick. 12.37 he ran, but it was in... It was in May of 04, and we're not thinking oh, this thing's going to get touched. We were just pups. We've got Gabra Celesi and Daniel Komen, so three ridiculous elite names. So Komen, Gabra Celesi and Bikili, I'm talking three of the all-time greats, probably the greatest ever, right? And this young kid last week goes 
1240301. No one's ever heard of him, and now they're talking about him. In the, these three are Michael Jordan of athletics. Salomon Bariga. Yeah, remember that name. But just quickly, and then we'll get off this. Stewie McSwain, who's a young Aussie from King Island, a lovely young fella. He went tw- he went 1305. Only one Aussie's ever broken 13 minutes, and that's the great Craig Buster Mottram, who we will get on this Buster. show very soon. He lives Half in brother Mentone. Of Buster Hyman. We love we love Mottram. Twelve fifty five was Craig Mottram, and he's a, definitely one of the greatest ever distance runners Australia's ever seen. Stuart McSwain's only twenty one, and he will he will break thirteen in the next twelve months. I'm calling him. He'll break thirteen minutes. He might not break Buster's time, but he will break thirteen minutes now. I love I love the names involved here. Continue. We've got Salomon Barriga. Mm-hmm. Barriga. You say Barriga, I say Barriga. We've got Hagos Gerbrowet. 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 He ran 12.45. And then we've got Stewie McSwain. Stewie McSwain was eighth, but I I just put him up there so you can see his name. But Stewie McSwain. What a name. Now, he was destined for greatness. Better than Hagos, to be fair. I love Stewie. He's a very, very tough athlete. Apologies to anyone named Hagos that's listening. Just quickly, Shark, you'd like this. If you you go to YouTube and look at the vision, Stewie McSwain was that fatigued at the end of the 12 and a half lap race. He fell over and broke his collarbone. Shouldn't should have called himself Hagos or something like that. It might have just carried him an extra. Let's continue on. Now, the road racing season in Europe, Shark. Now, I tell you what, it's fall over there. It's fall, so the fall marathon season is upon us. Autumn. Yes, we say fall. They say fall in Europe, so you got to. Do yeah, they? Yeah. Anyway, the Great North Run, the <laughs> Great North, do. the Great North Run, the European fall racing season or autumn, if we're in Australia. Mo Farrow won the Great North Run, which is one of the fastest half marathons in the He's world. He's about hundred years old now, Mo. Fifty-nine twenty-seven. I wanted to now. How the, old is Mo Farrow? Mo's only 36, 37. But... I'm 35. I'm not running. How far do you run? He ran 21k, 21.1. 21k is in, in under a minute. Under 21k. A mm-hmm. It's good, isn't it? He's a very good runner. But I tell you what, I love. He's Jake Robinson, 59.58. Now this is one of my favourite athletes of all time. He. Now this is if we can take one thing out of this show, Shark. Yes. You've. I've got different signs up all over the joint about patience and gratitude and mental toughness yes. and the ability to stay the course. Jake Robinson with his twin brother Zane, 11, Zane. 11 years ago, moved from a beautiful, comfortable family home in New Zealand yeah. to live in an absolute dive in Kenya. In a bloody, Kenya? In a bloody hut to assimilate like with all these Africans and he's lived like an African Could distance runner blood out of the hut for 11 years. He sleeps on a floor. He oh, does, he piss does, off. He sleeps he on sleep, the floor. I'm telling you, he sleeps on the floor because he's willing to sacrifice, Shark. Shark, he's willing to sacrifice. But you know what? So he's sending this milky white Kiwi mm-hmm. to Kenya to sleep on a floor Correct. in a blood-stained hut. When he was 17. That has no doubt been acquired through, not- through the unfortunate demise of some poor Kenyan person. And he's... What's he doing? Just getting around Kenya going, oh, fish and chip, chips, eh, bro? Uh, see, this oh, is... Oh, it's choice running. We're trying to talk serious. It was choice. This is what I bring him into. Hey, Hegos. Now, listen, Jake Robinson he is, the epitome, is the epitome of the word patience. So 11 years of, of suffering, 11 years of hard work, doing his yeah. 160, 180K weeks. He's been like, there for 11 years in Kenya. I've said it five times, 11 years, yes. No pats on the back, no one saying well done, no mass media, no commercial television, no one saying how good are you. 11 years of work, finally. You could buy Kenya. 
finally reaping some rewards, Mick. And this is what people have to realise. If they're going to do another bloody crappy eight-week challenge, it's not about quick fixes or let's get it tomorrow. It's about moving to Kenya. 11 years of toil. 11 years of toil for Jake Robinson. And he's finally starting to get recognised. His brother Zane's done some good things as well. He's won a bronze medal. Or Tehran. That's sacrifice. The Aussies were good. Paddy Tian and Michael Shelley were top 10. And Andy Vernon from England. I love the big Andy Vernon. Andy Vernon, I swear, he looks like a big ruckman. Eddie Vernon, is he Australian? He's a pom. He's a fantastic runner. He's a good 10K runner on the track in the old days. But I tell you, his pipes are very large. Big pipes. Big pipes and big shoulders. Now, Who, Bibi, Whose pipes would you compare him to in here? Not yours. Big Louie? Big Louie Roberts, no, no. Big Louie's he's a freak of nature. He looked, you know what? We went and watched that uh, EDS mm-hmm. versus C, no, YCW. YCW. Yep. The Stone Cutters. This is local, local football, yep. And. I was looking around for Louis because he he's quite a large, imposing unit when he's running on a treadmill in here. Mm-hmm. I thought he looked rather rather small on the footy field. Are you looking at the right? I think I think you're trying. I was to, looking at the right bloke. I think you're revving him up. We've got AFL. This is professional footballers now. Louis very there, good there footballer. Were, there were larger men than him. And uh, we've got AFL footballers that come in here and can't believe how big Louis is, and they and they and they look at him. I and go, just thought he blended in a bit. Yeah, I think he might have been 15 or 16 beers too deep there. Vivian Sherriot from Kenya won the females. Now she's a fantastic. Vivian's my favourite. Now I know you love the Sherriots, um from Kenya. Now just quickly before we get off that, and then we'll get on to your running joke. Bridget Kosgi. Also ran well. She ran well. She's a she's a good Kenyan runner. One hundred seven fifty two in the Great North Half Marathon. So they're marathon. taking on the Western names a little bit here, the Kenyans with uh, Vivian and Bridget. Yeah, well. So we're gonna have. See, we could have had instead of uh, what's your what's your mate's name, Haley Gabriel Celesi. I think he's just kids be very m- careful. Be John or Steve O. Say, Gabriel Celesi's like Rick. My- Gabriel Celesi. Gabriel Celesi is like the Michael Jordan of athletics. If you just go very easy the way you tread around Gabriel Celesi's name. All right, enough of that. Enough of that. This is what I've got to put up with every day. Haley Gabriel Celesi, an absolute legend of the sport. And his son, John. We're going to move on to, I shudder to think, Sharky's running joke. Now, this is good. Um... Look, I fa- possibly found the best website on earth for jokes about running. Some of the options this week included jokes about the Taliban, um, mistletoe, and <laughs> and coming weird coming out jokes that were somehow intertwined with running mm-hmm. <laughs> that I haven't quite got my head around yet. But uh, there's one here that's, that stood out. And look, we'll get to the more politically incorrect ones in time. But there was one here that, that really stood out. And I wanted to uh, share that with you. Did you hear about the race, Rick, between the lettuce and the tomato? No, I did not. The lettuce was ahead, but the tomato was trying to catch up. Oh my goodness me! I think this, so this is what I'm dealing with, and we don't even we don't prepare. I like, prepare notes, but maybe I should actually get him to tell me his jokes before we go. How yeah, good is that? What do you think, listeners? Now that's I, nearly up there with the Tasmanian Virgin joke. Thank yeah, not 
good. Not good that one. <laughs> Round one. Not good that Tassie one. What did um, Virginia Dooley, the Taswege, have to say about that? Taswege was not happy with you. She's not happy at all with you. And she, do you know what? She actually wants to speak to you. So I'd avoid her like the plague. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. Now, next week, we've got our big interview, another big interview. We've got Chris McCarthy, the 800 metre. Olympian from Sydney 2000 and the bronze medalist from Manchester ah, 02. Just read another one. Um, I'll save this for next week. Shark, you can save that one for next week. Politically correct. <laughs> Is your friend great man? Just remember that. Yes, possibly. I look forward to next week to you discussing the life of an Olympian. Life of Olympian, Chris McCarthy. Yeah, one of good. the great middle distance runners of, of our generation. Fantastic. Thanks, listeners. Have a beautiful day. Enjoy the spring in Melbourne.